Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got it! Welcome to another episode of Two Sleeps in a Gully. We're here for our 65th episode, and as you can see, we're one short. I am joined by Gary this afternoon. It's me. No, Glenn, today he's off uh, gallivanting with his other passion. Glenn's a bit of a muso, so he's uh, offered a gig, living his best life, <laughs> being the sax man. Yeah, he's a that's, saxy man. That's with an A, all our listeners at home. So uh, we wish Glenn the best of luck, and we should have him back um, in the chair next week. So, But the show must go on. Uh, cricket never stops. It's a, it's a year-long game. It's not just uh, the summer months, like people yeah. in Australia might think. Yep. And so because cricket's going on, two slips and a gully must go on. So it's me and Gary tonight to... Uh, Talk about all the good stuff. So uh, we've got some things coming up we want to talk about. We had a pretty dismal showing in that uh, first T20 match against the, the yeah, Kiwis. It was terrible. Mm, it wasn't great. wasn't great at all. Um, and then a few other bits and pieces that we're going to go through tonight. So uh, sit back, relax, have a listen, and uh, hopefully you enjoy our cricket banter. Let's start that a lot. What a wonderful shot to bring it up on as well. What a moment for Michael Clark. Not just as a player, but as a captain here on his home ground. So the first of many T20s between uh, us and our uh, neighbours over the Dutch have the, the Dutch the Dutch have commenced. Um, uh, we sent over a well, I'm not going to say a B side, but it was a side that had uh, plenty of young players through it. Obviously, our test stars were scheduled to go to South Africa, and that never never ended up happening, which is a cause of. Uh, Great distress to us, which is why we're all poms for the next month or so, because we, we need the poms <laughs> to win so we can get to the World Championship final. Yeah. Um, and Australia, and I think in a, in a good move for the Australians, didn't elect to rejig their squad to go to New Zealand and left their test players to come and play shield cricket. So well, I don't think they could anyway, could they? No, no one had left the country yet, so oh, okay. they, they were perfectly entitled to reorganise their... I'm glad that they didn't. Uh. Um, yeah, it's giving a lot of opportunities to some young players. Josh Phillippe won who got his uh, debut in this game and uh, some yeah. of the young bowlers. Um, really a chance for them, those guys to make their mark with the guys like Warner and Smith yeah. and Cummins and Stark and Hazelwood and all those guys sitting out. Um, didn't go off very well, though. New Zealand got the better of us. We started well. We had the Kiwis reeling yeah. at D- three for not many. Daniel Sams opened the bowling. I thought that was rather weird. Sams and Jai Richardson. I think they probably make the most sense out of the team that we picked for for that yeah. game. So yeah. the team for that game that we picked was, um, like I said, had the debutante in um, in Josh Phillippe. Um, Ashton Agar made his return from injury in that game as well. So yep. some, a familiar face. But uh, we went with uh, Wade Finch at the top of the order. Philippi, Marsh, Maxwell, Stoinis, Agar, Sams, Jai Richardson, Kane Richardson, and Adam Zampa. And you know, I'd you know, I'd say out of those ones, you probably want Sams. Sams is probably gonna do the most out of the new ball. 
Yeah. He's not going to do much with the older ball. So whereas Kane Williamson's a guy that's going to bowl, can bowl really anywhere in the in the 20 overs. Yeah. Whereas if you really want Sam's to make a mark, he, he's probably going to do it up front. So And then Jai Richardson, you're going to throw the new ball to anyway. So um, it, it probably made the most sense that those guys did. And they got us off to a flyer. And then um, Devin Conway uh, went unsigned in the latest IPL auction. Oh, that was... Hit us for 99 and just uh, turned the game around. And what we had a run chase of 178 that we needed to, to chase down. And it just, it just and we just never got going. Yeah, he, and just to think about it this way, it's like it may not be Australia's best side, but it's the best, some of the best players that were played in the BBL this year. Yeah, there was no one Easily. there. Easily. The only person who probably didn't get there on merit was Aaron Finch. Unfortunately. Um, and oh, I reckon Mitchell Marsh as well, but he's always been a bit of a darling of that side. I mean, he, he was injured for a lot of the BBL. He was injured for the IPL. Um, so he probably got into that side on reputation. But when Marsh is playing well, he is a good limited overs player. Which so, is really annoying. Um, so, the, yeah, it makes sense that he was there. I think possibly they may have went... Uh, uh, <laughs> This is a problem we've got with a one-day cricket is I'm not taking anything away from New Zealand because Southie and Bolt put on a masterclass up front um, with swing ball and really cracked open our top order. And then Ish Sodi bowled particularly well on the back end, picking up four wickets. So by we're not saying that New Zealand won this on the back of Australia's stuff-ups, but uh, we just don't seem to get how to pick a T20 side. We've just sort of been and picked the guys that who scored the most runs in the BBL. These guys, we'll pick them. And all of them are openers. Yeah, and we've got much. And we've got three spots to put them in. You know, you probably, you know, you live with an opener batting at three. Um, but we've only really got Glenn Maxwell, who's yeah. a, a specialist sort of middle order player. I mean, you know, Mitchell Marsh predominantly plays in middle order, but, you know, he's but not they, a very... They'd be the only two, though. But even Marsh is not a great manipulator of the strike. He's not a guy that sort of finds gaps and... Yeah. You know, runs the ones and twos hard and then has a power game. It's just Mitchell Marshall hit the ball really hard through, you know, crashing through the line when it pays off. He'll hit you lots of fours and sixes. But there's not too many innovators in that side to come in the middle order when a top order collapse happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and, yeah, so it's just, yeah, we just don't seem to get how to pick a, a, a one-day side. And I think in some cases we need to be looking at guys – you know, maybe like the Jordan Silks of the world that may not have been leading the, you know, the total run scoring or the highest average, but you got to look at when they scored their runs and what part of the innings and what strike rate and where around the ground they scored their runs because we've got a lot of the same same at the top. You know, there's not a great deal of difference batting wise between Finch, Stoinis, and Marsh. They're all guys that play, you know, technically correct cricket shots. They use their, you know, their big strong guys try to hit the ball hard. Um, you know, you know Matthew Wade is a bit of a you know a bit of a change up. He's a guy that hits the ball in funny areas. Glenn Maxwell's a guy that hits the ball in funny areas. Philip is a guy that hits the ball in funny areas. But we sort of they've all got a really bad at the top of the order. Yeah, to get the most out of them. I think it all stems back to the fact that Australia never really took T twenty T twenty cricket seriously. Like I, I remember watching the first one. They had players mic'd up everywhere. And it was an international game between Australia and... New Zealand. New Zealand. McGrath pretended to bowl an underarm ball yeah. for the last ball yeah. of the innings. Yeah. <laughs> but, and uh, we can only wear that excuse for a while now because Australia's sunk a lot of money into... They have. ...into you know, developing the T20 game to the detriment of other forms of the game, to be, to be quite honest, especially with the World Cup that was supposed to happen here, but unfortunately COVID intervened. There was lots of preparation that went into into this side, and in particular this format, and it just seems to be we're just not quite nailing it. No, we're, not we're, we're definitely not there. And I, look, although some of these players are fantastic in their own right, it's 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 not a team. It's a it's a group of uh, outstanding players. And it, look, we know the talent's there. Australia's risen to the top of the T20 international rankings fairly recently. So when we get it all together, we'll get it together. But... Uh, you know, I think guys like Smith, Smith is going to be a really big addition to that side because he is a guy that, you know, will try to look to bat throughout the innings and hits the ball in areas. And he's happy to, you know, spend 10 or 12 balls, maybe just running ones and twos and just getting the field off balance. And then you yeah. see him, especially in that one day or against India this over the summer, you know, he sort of scratched about till about 20 or 30 
And then he went from 30 to 100 in the blink of an eye sort of thing. So I watched that live. It was pretty good. (laughs) Um, And and so I think he's going to be a guy that's really going to to really add to the the dynamics of our batting lineup. Uh, Another worrying thing is, and I know that we weren't picking guys like like Stark and, and Cummins, who are the two big guns for Australia, but we really messed up our death bowling, which is something that we do all the time. Yeah, I just some of the, the bowlers they picked, I don't think it's any of them, um, maybe Daniel Sams, um, that were any good in the death overs. I don't, and Sam's typically isn't good in the death overs. No, and that's typically the, isn't. No. And, and that's the thing that worries me now. We've had, ten, we've had a decade of Big Bash, and on the out, other than Nathan Ellis from the, the Hurricanes, who is a guy that has been consistently a specialist death overs guy? Maybe Kane Richardson. Maybe. Um, there's been some guys that have done okay. Jai Richardson did okay in bits and pieces. Daniel Sam's done okay in bits and pieces. But they've also gone for a heap. You know, it's probably a, a coin flip as to whether they will execute yeah. in the death overs. Yeah. Um, Sean Abbott's a guy that gets used a lot in the big bash. He's like he's come a long way in recent years, but he's still probably a coin flip. Probably even more tending towards you. You're going to be backing him to not execute in the death overs than actually yeah. execute. So we've had ten years of this tournament that's had so much money and emphasis and coaching and all these put into it, and we're still really struggling to find. A handful, even a handful, not we're barely struggling to get one. Which Mitchell Stark, and he's barely played in the Big Bash. So, yeah. so this Big Bash, our domestic tournament that's designed to you know build the future of Australian limited over or T Twenty cricket, we can't produce bowlers that consistently execute in the death. I mean, I think the most impressive person I saw in the death overs, other than Nathan Ellis, was Dan Christian, who's like four hundred years old. Oh, well, I'm. Oh. Totally surprised he wasn't picked in this team. I would have picked him. I don't know if I would have picked him in this side because you know what you're going to get out of Daniel Christian. Yep. If you're going to, but I definitely think he should be um, seriously considered for the World Cup squad. I I think he should be in the team just from his experience. All these young players, you look at all these young guys, and if they walked up to Dan Christian and asked him something, I guarantee he'd talk to him about it. And he's played so many. T20 games. He plays all around the world. What, I think it was 10 months of the year he's away yep. playing cricket. You need to use that guy. I think Australia's used this as a bit of a... They've recognised the opportunity with the, the test players having been out as a, a bit of a, a sounding board for to see how some other guys work. And Dan Christian's a known commodity. You know that if you're going to play him, you're going to get a guy that's yeah. going to bat five or six or seven. He's going to go and swing hard from ball one. Um, if you bowl it in his arc, he'll hit it as far as anyone. And then in with the ball, he, yeah. you bowl him for one, two, three overs. You can bowl him with, you can bowl him in the death. You can bowl him in the power play that they used. Um, you know, you know what you're going to get. You yeah. don't. Uh, so I think that, in a sense, of if you're going to pick a squad, and I certainly would be urging um, Gorgeous George, the selectors and the selectors panel, to be going. What's the point of picking a T Twenty side to win tournaments? We're at the World Cup now. We don't need to build for the future. Let's pick the best squad we have now. Who cares if they're 34 or 36 or, you know, 400 like yeah. Dan Christian is. And you've uh, got guys like Philippi in the wing. Philippi's 23. If he's not the in your best 17 as of right now, that's fine. He's 23. You you can use him after this tournament. He's got his whole career ahead of him. And what I struggle with is, you know, there's a big push obviously on Philippi. He's got about one, two or three. Finch... We'll talk about Finch a bit later on. You got Finch, you got Warner, you got Wade, you got Smith, you got Stoinis. They're all guys that are probably going to be around about. Yeah. So that's five players that have got to fit into three spots. And I'm probably Darcy Short. He's another guy that's been a bit of a darling oh, of the T20 side. He's got about one or two, maybe three. You know, um, we've got so many players who occupy those opening positions. Ben McDermott has had an absolutely astonishing BBL. And over the course of his career, he's been a very consistent and big performer for the BBL. He's a guy that probably get in the side. He looks like he's a little more flexible, but again, you'd ideally be putting him at one, two, or three. So you can't fill your whole side with top-order batsmen. So if Philippi isn't in your top, say, five, one, two, or three players, yeah. does he need to go? Yeah. I, I, I think 
looking at this side too, you've got to think about it. How many wicket keepers do you need? Because you've got... Uh, they only went with Wade and Phillippe in that. And that, yeah, in that in that game. But in the squad, there's also McDermott. And McDermott could come in and replace anyone in that, I don't know, top uh, I think a lot of those, like, Phillippe and McDermott are guys that were picked off having incredible batting seasons as well. Yeah. So I don't think that the... The wick, them being wicket keepers is a reason to exclude oh, them. If they weren't keepers, oh, no, you still no, would have not, picked them because yeah. Philippi was the second leading run scorer. What, what I'm trying to say is Matthew Wade come in and kept. Why? Why would you get Matthew Wade to keep? Well, he's the vice captain of the side, and Don't it's care. and after his limited overs um, games before the Test series, it's hard to say that you wouldn't have picked Wade for that squad. He's experienced. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd pick I'd pick Wade sh- for the squad, but I wouldn't. He wouldn't be keeping. I'd probably give it to Philippi. Yeah. Um, just because. Yeah, but Philippi, like I said, it's 23, weights, yeah, yeah. 32. You probably went, to, nah, young fella, you can run around in the outfield. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I just think that, yeah, there's something that uh, Australia needs to, to really work on is getting the dynamics of their side right. And I think that's the big part of what we miss is just is filling that middle order with those guys that can finish – and innings out. Yeah. Um, and we get too many guys. Like, Stoyness is a guy, for example. Like, the selectors have told us before. I think it was last after the last Big Bash when he said that he was the, by far and away, the leading run scorer for the BBL. Was left out of the subsequent sides because they viewed him as an opening batsman. Yeah. And they'd already filled their side with enough openers. So, unfortunately, the leading run scorer for the Big Bash had to miss out on the T20 side. Yeah. And then here we go picking him and he batted at six. And it's just... The messages are inconsistent and the roles people are playing are inconsistent. And, and I think the selectors probably got that right. Stoinis's best positions in a T20 are one, two, or three. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's dynamic enough at the crease in terms of rotating the strike and picking gaps and all that to really bat down that low. He's a guy that, you know, you put it in his arc and he'll hit it really hard. It'll go to the fence or over. Yeah. But he, you, you've seen it a lot of the time that he'll chew up a lot of dot balls waiting for that one that he can... Yeah, that's his problem. Into. He just he just needs to rotate yeah. a little bit better, um, and then and you can sort of get away with that if you're at the top of the order because you've got a little bit more time and get and you know that if Stoinis gets going, he's got that hitting power that if he spends ten balls to get set at the beginning, yeah, he'll catch up and you could score eighty or forty and you yeah you know, you're happy with that. Whereas if you're really trying to finish out an innings and he goes, you know. 12 off 12 and then holes out trying to finish it off because the pressure's getting to him. And then yeah. you've wasted 12 balls for... Which is unfortunate, but anyway. Uh, who else in that side were you looking at um, as to going forward, Aaron? Um, well, I don't really mind... Like I said, I don't mind the composition of the, the players. I just think the balance of the size working out. I said in the last podcast, actually, I think that we did together, that I was worried about the uh, balance of players in the middle order. Yeah. that we were a bit too top-order heavy. Yeah. Um, my big concern, actually, is um, the captain, Aaron Finch. Finchy? Um, and I know that it's you know, it's early days and he's got time to, to get his form back, but this is Aaron Finch's last 10 T20 innings. 1, 6, 4, 10, duck, 13, 14, duck, which is a golden, 8, 18, Oh. So 74 off 76 balls, an average of seven with a strike rate of 97. Still more runs than I've scored this year. <laughs> How long does Australia give Finch a free pass before we maybe his seat starts to get a bit warm? Uh, I don't know. Like going, for, like going forward, Australia's always been sort of uh, gun-shy, as it will, replacing captains. Yes. Um. I, I do think that uh, this this series might be the, the last straw for Finch because I, I understand that I, I a, a great captain can do great things. Um, if if Aaron Finch was to get dropped, are you going to get Matthew Wade to captain the team? I would personally have Glenn Maxwell captain the sword. Oh, I actually agree with you. Um, <laughs> which is, you know... Matthew Wade's been named the vice captain, so where do you go from there? I don't think either would do a bad job, to be honest. Matthew Wade's been the captain of the Hurricanes when he's been there, and he's yeah. he's a pretty good operator. I, I would have Maxwell. I think Maxwell's a 
better captain, and especially he's with the um, the the T Twenty World Cup being played in India, and where he's obviously yeah. been a, a fairly big ticket item in the IPL. He's very familiar with how the grounds play and yeah. you know and all that sort of stuff. So I, I would be leaning towards Maxwell. I, it's a really tough spot. I like Aaron Finch as a captain, and I like him as a batsman when he when he puts it together. But I'm struggling to think of a time when Finch really has contributed with the bat for the Renegades or Australia in a T20 game. Like, obviously, his one-day record needs yeah. no reminding. He scored a 100 in that game that you went to. Yep. Um, so we, we know he's a fantastic 50-over operator, but I'm just wondering whether or not, you know, the game might be passing him by a little bit in in this one. You know, yeah. things are starting to slow down a little bit for Paul Finchy, so he needs a bit of time to get himself set. I mean, even in his one-day games, his strike rate is usually under 100. Yeah. So he's sort of a guy now that's – and rather than being crashing and banging his way to, you know, big scores off little amount of balls, he's sort of op- starting to more operate more, you know, reserved Yeah, I, in I, a sense. I, I think um – he just he just needs to get one away. Just get one decent score, and he might be all yeah. right. And that's but, the thing but, too. I can't see them making a change before the World Cup. Yeah. But if they do, it's got to be at the end of the series for mine. I don't think you can sort of limp to a World Cup. Yeah. Um, well, you can't carry players in a T Twenty game. No. Um, unfortunately, and Australia's been doing that for quite some time. Unfortunately for Finchie, but um, I, I don't know if. Like I love Glenn Maxwell, but I don't know if um, the captaincy will affect his batting. Or well, he's been the captain of the Stars. Yeah, he's, I'm pretty sure he's the cap. Well, he, I think he was a captain of his IPL franchise. I don't know if he currently still is. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I think some period over his over his IPL career, he's um, he's captained his franchise. So he's, he's definitely got the cricket brain for it. Mm. And you can hear it when they've got him on microphones in the BBL. That um, that's a yeah. An aspect of his game that he's obviously very intelligent. You know, yeah. he's very intelligent. He's got a good cricketing brain. Um, he's got good plans, and especially because that stars side struggled with injury a bit, and there were lots of new, like young players coming through. So he didn't have the Coulton Isles and the Zampers week yeah. in week out yeah. to execute those plans. Um, and you know, if and if they move on from Finch, you know, fingers crossed that Finchy gets it right for the rest of the series, and this is a. a a moot point, yeah. but then that makes up more room then for guys like Philippi, McDermott, Stoinis, so they maybe move into a more natural position. Because not only it's it's not even a case of Finch in those scores, you know, getting unlucky, you know, like shelling one to yeah. gully or something yeah. like that, or he just looks he, he's looking bad at the crease too. Yeah. Like it's not just a case of unlucky. Like it's been a couple that were unlucky. I mean, he got run out at the non-strikers end after off a straight drive for one of them and. But then there was another one a couple of games later where it was the Melbourne derby and, you know, the Renegades are really struggling and we really need him to stand up. And he, he skips down the wicket to Glenn Maxwell, first ball, and misses it by a foot and gets stumped. <laughs> like, And it was a hack. Like, it was a hack. Yeah. It's a shot that I could have played. and Well, couldn't we all? <laughs> yeah, but that, that, that's just, just, just been really disappointing. So I think uh, he certainly, unfor- which is one that we want as an Australian cricket team, we don't want our captain putting pressure on the selectors to keep picking him. Like we yeah. want the captain to be an automatic selection, automatic selection that we don't have to worry about. And I think Finch is, I think the selectors have got to be, if they're honest, if they're doing their jobs properly, have got to be starting to think, you know, what if Finch doesn't turn this around? Because he didn't have a very good BBL last season either. Yeah, It was pretty underwhelming. Like it wasn't, you know, it was better than the one he just had, but it was inconsistent. It was. Um, so but Saying that, 2020 is a very inconsistent game. Yeah, it's an easy game to get yourself out of form, and yeah. um, it's a game, I said it on commentary, it's a game that it's really hard to find your form because you've basically, especially as an opener, you've got to go in and make hay while the sun's shining. Yeah. If you spend too long with the crease trying to work your way into it, you're... You're yeah. ruining your team. So even like a one-day match, you can spend a hundred balls and score sixty, you know, mm. and then go after it and get yourself in, and you'll be right. Yeah. So well, you don't really have that luxury in uh, in T20. So I, I imagine it would be tough for Finch. He's he's probably hitting them really well in the nets, and it's just not coming together on the ground. So we've got four four more games. Hopefully, we get it together. I do think that we uh, we need to 
alter the balance of the side. I think there needs to probably be a couple of changes coming in. Yeah. I would be dropping Mitchell Marsh for McDermott. Well, I'd, I have to agree because I hate Mitchell Marsh. However, um, he, he was the top scorer. He did get out to a shot that was terrible. Like it was... And like, I, I know that it's weird to say that the, the top scorer from the previous game should be dropped, but the way I see it, Marsh is an all-rounder. Yep. And he's not bowling. And McDermott, yeah. McDermott is, on paper, a better T20 batsman. Oh, uh, yeah, I'd give you that one. Yeah. Um, even in the sense, if you're going to say that Marsh is a better batsman, you're wrong if you say he's a better batsman, but Marsh is very much as a classical player. He's going to hit you in the V, or if you bowl it short, he's going to hit you hook and pulls, all that yeah. sort of stuff. It's a very con- all- conventional. He's a very conventional. He's hard hands, conventional, hits the ball hard. McDermott's shown a bit of flair, a bit of ingenuity, a bit of ability to, you know, ramp and reverse sweep and yeah. all those sort of things to get the ball into um, funny places. And he's every bit the hitter that Mitchell Marsh is. And his shoulder's not busted. And, so. his, and his shoulder's not so busted. So he can throw the ball. So I just, I think that if you if Marsh isn't going to bowl, then you, yeah. you pick McDermott. If Marsh is able to bowl... Um, then you would seriously, I think, have a look at dropping Stoinis. Yeah. But I don't think you need to carry. You don't need to carry Marsh and Stoinis in the same side. Well, there's what three all rounders, and you'd have to drop either one of those. Because um, you don't drop drop Maxwell. No, and you got Agar too. And Agar recently won the T20 Player of the Year for Australia, so they're obviously going to persist with him while they yeah. think that the um, the ground suit. But yeah, I I think. If if Stoinis does if 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 Marsh bowls, you drop Stoinis because Marsh has shown an ability to come in and finish a little better than what Stoinis does. Stoinis yeah. is a guy that I think is more suited to the top of the order. Yeah. Um, whereas Marsh, you could probably get away with, um, you know, batting him at five six, and he'll yeah. find his feet a bit quicker. But if Marsh isn't going to bowl, then you go with the all rounder Stoinis, and then you you pick McDermott into the side to. Yeah, I have to agree with that one. Unfortunately, um, I wouldn't toy around with too much. Um, I think the the other thing that you'd think about is obviously dropping Finch if he's not being informed. But he's a captain, so he's going to play. So there's no point to he'd discuss be, whether or not he's going to be there. He'll be there. He's the captain. He'd be under pressure though. Uh, I would possibly float the idea because he's done it for Australia and for his sides before. So maybe moving him down to three, open up with Philippi and Wade. That's yeah, not a bad idea. And then move Finch to, th- to three, especially over in New Zealand when you've got uh, Bolt and Southie swinging the ball around corners. And we've known for years that uh, Aaron Finch does not yeah. deal with swing very well. No, no, he doesn't, unfortunately. Um, so maybe get him in, let Philippi bat in his natural position, let Wade do what he does, and then you know, juggle that around a little bit. And then, then Finch can come in at three. You know, Just hide him a little bit, make it a little bit easier for him to... Yeah, but I, I think that I think the uh, the selectors might think of he's trying to hide himself. You never know. No, well, I, there's I, also I, that I, adage that our best batsman bats at three. So I don't think it's I don't think it's cowardly <laughs> to um, I don't think it's cowardly yeah. for Finch to be moving himself to three, especially if he feels that he will be more productive there. I think it's you know if he's struggling for form at the top of the order, there's no point putting him out as a lamb to slaughter over and over well, again. There's 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 nothing wrong with the captain doing what's best for his team. Exactly. Uh, what about you? Do you think there's anything else? No, not really. I, I think we need to look at some of the bowlers. Richardson, Jai Richardson, um, had a great start to the BBL season last year. His finish up to the BBL season was terrible. Yeah, he didn't really. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't finish with a bang, did he? So, no. um, and 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 it's still repeating. Like it's, they're just pies. Stop it. Bowl someone decent. Um. Adam Zampa, Zorba, um, looks good. Yeah, leaves Zamps. He's he's our best T20 bowler in that team. Yep. So I reckon bring in Dan Christian. <laughs> Christian's not in the squad, so he won't be there. Um, but you do have guys like Meredith, Tanvir Sanger, people like that on the sidelines that you can call. And I don't think you need to change the bowlers just yet. I yeah. would have a look maybe game three. Yeah. Um, have a look at that. You know, if you've got Agar and... 
I suppose all of them are really going to play. Agar might actually find him his way out of the side, depending on how things go. Yeah. Because um, you've got Maxwell who will play, who will yeah. give you spin. Zampa who will play, who will give you spin. So if you've got a bit of a seam-friendly wicket, maybe you don't end up going with the, the third one, and that can then be another another batsman or another bowler. So someone like Meredith coming in for a bit more of a... Yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to see Meredith out there, actually. Um, all I would like to say is before the end of the series, we need to have thrown Tanvir Sanger a bone. Oh, definitely. He, he needs a go. There's no point picking him if you're not going to give him a go in a five-match T20 series. It really, like, we'd love to win it, win it, but in the big scheme of things, means nothing. So if, you know, get him in there, give him a game or two, see how things turn out. And they don't bring him into the, the very last game and he goes out there and takes five wickets. Everyone in Australia should be filthy. <laughs> so <laughs> it's been a, it's been a meteoric rise for him. He was um, well the leading wicket taker for Australia in the Under 19s World Cup, and then his first senior contract was with the Thunder, and he was for large parts of the tournament the leading wicket taker or right up there. Yeah, got an Australian um, call up to the T20 squad, so it's um, he, he's a bright star at it's the a, moment. It's a roller coaster ride roller. for the young for the young bloke, definitely. <laughs> So uh, all the best. So that's that's my request from there. Is you get McDermott in, is I think he offers a little more dynamic batting in the middle order. You know, bat him at four. Let Maxwell float where he needs to be. Um, and then yeah, just keep going yeah. from there. I think that'll be okay. Go on, straight down the throat of first slip. Gary, I don't know if you remember over a course of many an episode. On two slips in a gully, I've been known to to get a bit ranty. Oh, I've never really noticed, Darren. Never really noticed. <laughs> well, must be dozing off way through or the dead. episodes. Um, and one of my things and my bugbears, if you if you haven't noticed, has been that I'm not a big fan of the way that they execute DRS. Uh, I think everyone's a bit a bit the same. Maybe not quite as mental as you, but yeah. Uh, one of the things in particular, I had a rant about it last week, and I'm sure I've, if you go back through our episodes, I've had a, many a rant about this particular thing, is the use of the, D, of the umpire's call in DRS. Oh. And about how that's, I don't, my, my big catchphrase is, I don't understand why we're putting an inbuilt human error flaw into a technology design to get rid of human error. And uh, apparently all I needed to do for this bugbear to go away is for it to happen to India. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening. The uh, the rulemakers at uh, the MCC are in the middle of discussing getting rid of umpire's call as part of the uh, DRS process and oh. now just having a simple out or not out. But why? Why now? Well, they, I've just, Obviously, because Virat Kohli got very upset about the Joe Root decision. I don't know. Apparently, it's something that's been in the in the works for a while. But my inner cynic is saying oh, India wants it, so now it's happening. That's my outer cynic saying that too. <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, so yeah, so they're now looking at that. Part of the uh, flip side of that would be that now that they are having that, that it's now out or not out. They will only have one incorrect review per side. Which I think is good. It still keeps the, um, I suppose the, the human element involved. They wanted yeah. a bit of that, you know, benefit of the doubt sort of thing. And you know, part of the cricket is, you know, sometimes should be done lucky, which I get. So you've now got to save that review for those, those ha- absolute howlers. howlers. Because if you, um, if you waste it on a on a half chance, and then you inside edge one onto the middle of your bat, or you know, you're standing a foot outside leg and it hits you on the pads and you get shot and you've already used it on a, a wing and a prayer, yeah. then you're still out. So I think that, um, that it's a good move. I, I maybe I was still thinking that, especially considering that they're, they're still planning on using home umpires and all that sort of stuff oh, yeah. and getting the best umpires to go to all the games is still a little bit difficult with COVID and stuff. I would think just bringing it back to two would probably be... I, the, I think two's fine. I think the... Th- when they had the when they've gone they've got the three at the moment, um, it's a bit, it's a bit too. There's too many, especially considering with umpires call, a lot of the time they're sort of the the reviews are now a lot of reviews are now, oh, it's either gonna be out or umpires call. It was so close. Yeah. Like, what's the harm in having a look if we're going yeah. to keep it? 
And yeah. so you will end up, you know, LBW shouts where they're just like, you know, we'll look like we'll look silly if it's you know a millimeter on the right side of the stumps instead of the wrong side, and if it's a millimeter on the wrong side, we've still got three. So I've seen you have some crack. screamers though. Joe Joe Root took one upstairs. It come off the middle of the bat. <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, yeah. So obviously there's some really bad ones, but I think um, yeah with that extra one, which I know while they put it in, it was to safeguard against you know. The, the home umpires and any improprieties that could possibly have been brought out by, you know, touring teams going, we only didn't get it because it's a home umpire that's like, well, you had three reviews. If you didn't get it right, then you had plenty of chances to catch yeah, it. Yeah. Um, I think two is probably safe, but I, I'm happy for any move where it is definitive. Yeah, I, I, just, I just give me definitive. I think an answer is what answers what we all want. I still think fifth. The, the still thing is, it's fifty percent of the ball needs to be hitting from the outside of the stumps, which I think is a great move because it used to be the middle, but now it's the outside of the stumps, and hopefully they're going to include the top of the bales instead of the bottom of the bales as the marker. And I still think fifty percent of the ball is too much margin for error because you don't need half. If I was a bowler and you told me half the ball is going to hit that stump. I'd be expecting to knock the stump over. Oh, you'd knock it out of the ground. Not just dislodge the bales. So I think they're probably being a little too conservative in the, um, you know, it needs to be 50% of the ball hitting the stumps. Yeah. But I am happy that they're looking at going down the avenue of... Yeah, but how many times have we seen the ball flick the stumps? I've the bales not come off. I've <laughs> flicked the stumps and not come off. Yeah. Well, honestly, how many? I can think of maybe... A handful oh, in there's, the there's in, probably yeah in years and years and years I can think of a handful I can think of probably three that I remember in the last ten years of cricket. Well, I can probably think of about six in the last ten years, but yeah. So, and you go by how many times people have been bowled. Yeah. How many of them were zing bales? Uh, none of them. None of them. Oh. They're all actual real bales that don't cool. weigh, don't weigh anything. But still, so ten years of cricket. Yeah. And we can think of maybe, you know, we're yeah. probably thinking a couple of the same ones. Probably, yeah. So I don't think it's going to be a massive issue where it's like, oh, but the bales might not be dislodged. I mean, Jasper Boomer barely touched the bale to get Steve Smith out of the, the yep. Boxing Day test, and it came out. So sometimes it's about where you hit it. And yeah. then we're going to say now, oh, well, that one only, you know, Fifty percent, less than fifty percent of the ball hit, but it was right near the top. So it's like twenty five percent more likely to dislodge the bale than if you just yeah. graze it. Near, like it's I, just. I think the thing is though, they're trying to make it less, less difficult to understand for for, for Joe public. Which is um, one of the reasons why they actually got rid of the rule. They said it's confusing for the audience about how the ball can be both out and not out at the same time. Yeah, depending on what the umpire says. And I still just think, why have we got a review system in place that? even cares what the umpire said. Yeah. We're going upstairs because we disagree with what we think that the umpire is wrong. Yeah. So we're going we want it to be checked. So why are we taking that opinion in there? So just go and look at it and go, right. So you need to take that 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 opinion from that umpire away mm. and give it to somebody else. They have a look and go, oh yep. yeah. And the, you know, and the umpire doesn't have all of this technology at their disposal. So being um, you know, a grass catch or be it Caught behind, be it LBW, all that sort of stuff. You've got the the beauty of slow motion replay. You've got yeah. the ability to put up the 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 tracking line in the middle, so you can yep. see the where the stumps lines. are. The tram lines. You've got snicker. You've got hotspot. You've got you know you can zoom in and have a look. You've got so much more information at your disposal that you're far more educated than the umpire that had a a fleeting second from twenty two yards away. To, to make a decision. I mean, like, it could be five balls before lunch and he's thinking, God, it's hot out here. Why is everyone yelling? Oh. <laughs> um, I, what I will say, though, is you've, you've seen many of those DRS reviews go up and he's just just inside edged onto the pad. Or How good are those umpires, though? Like, to see that and then come Yeah, and away. I think a lot of the time, like, they're all worrying about... I think they're worried about the knock-on effect of if we have a decision that takes the umpire out of it, are we going down the slippery slope of not actually needing officials anymore because oh, technology no. will do it? And no, we're not going down there. We Who's Virat Kohli going to yell at if there's nobody out there? We just want to get rid of the really bad ones. Yeah. No one, doesn't, no one wants a game with no on-field officials, but we just 
want the decisions to be right. And anyone, anyone who's ever played cricket and you've, you've you've bowled a ball and you turn around and you get down on one knee and appeal to the umpire, and he points that finger in the air, there is no better feeling in the world, maybe than you know smashing a four through covers. But yeah, it's 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 part of cricket and it's it's always it should always be there. And you'll take that with if you've given the player some element of control to get rid of that howler you're more likely, if you've gone and wasted that opportunity, you're more likely to just go, well, it's my own fault. We use it on yeah. Steve's rubbish LBW shout when it was hitting halfway up middle. Yeah. And then you walk off and you cop it. But when you've got all this technology going, saying one thing, and you've got no real avenue to change yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and the ones that really bug me are the ones where 49.95% of the ball yeah. are crashing into the stumps and it's given not out on by the umpire and it stays not out. And then you get ones that even live looked dodgy and the umpire is feeling a bit trigger happy and goes, bang, yeah, that's out. And they review it. And just the smallest, like, you know, like part of the seam has poked up. So there's just a little bit of the ball that's just grazing the stumps and yeah. it stays out. And it's like, well, how is that staying out? And the one where half the ball smashing into the stumps yeah. is not. And yeah, so exactly. I just think, Everyone gets to play consistently. You've got that marker. It's now, I think, too conservative, but let's not, you know, look a gift horse in the mouth. It's now 50% of the ball needs to be doing what it needs to be doing. And On the right track. Or not out. On the right track. Um, and if it, stay, if it stays like that, I'm I'm not going to complain. I, I think that um, it's probably still more in the batsman's favour. That could be really a way of evening things up between the bat and the ball, which we yeah. all want to talk about is when, you know, we've taken basically a whole cricket ball away from the bowlers there. It needs to be at yeah. least half a stump on either side. So the stumps are a cricket ball skinnier in a sense. Yeah. Um, if you make that 25% of the ball or 30% of the ball, something like that, which is still when you consider how much of a ball needs hit the stumps to dislodge the bales, that's still probably conservative, but it's just a little bit extra wiggle room bowlers have yeah. got. Um then and then yeah, it just and it's not going to be with only one review. It's not going to be something that's going to be happening all the time because yeah. if for the sake of twenty five percent, you're going oh that was pretty close. Let's have a look. You're not going to waste your review on pretty close. Yeah. You're going to be like that is halfway up middle. Yeah. Where we're reviewing that yeah. sort of thing. So I think I, I, I'm happy with it. I think it's a great move. Um, it's a long overdue, to be honest, and hopefully now I won't have to bore all of our listeners with endless rants about how rubbish umpires call this. No. Oh, I'll think of something. I always <laughs> do. I'll do something else that annoys me. But no, great. I think this is great, and I really hope that um, this gets moved through and sometime in the not-too-distant future. Well, he's done it, and he's done it in grand style with a boundary. Well done, Glenn McGrath. First ever half-century in Test cricket. Uh, I heard some exciting news uh, recently, a couple of days ago. Last well, week, I think, actually. Yeah. Now by the time it's all done. And it has to do with the uh, Marsh Cup, or the one-day domestic tournament in Australia that's going on. Yeah. Um, there was talks in the works that Cricket Australia had a proposal to take one-day domestic cricket off the state contracts and make that a franchise-based system similar to the Big Bash. Why the hell would you do that? Uh, well, the, there's lots of monetary reasons why. Now state cricket only needs to pay contracts for their one-day, sort of the one-day, their first-class players, so the players they're going to be using in their four-day cricket. Um, and by opening up to a franchise-based system, you then could um, increase the amount of franchises. Because Nathan Coulter-Nile was picked up for nearly a million dollars in the IPL. Yeah. Currently doesn't play one day cricket for any state. Maybe because he's not very good. Maxwell and Finch aren't playing one day cricket for any state. Well, they also play for Australia. But they, if they weren't playing for Australia, they wouldn't be playing cricket for Victoria. So there's a lot. Dan Christian, who we've just talked, yeah, yeah. we've waxed lyrical on for <laughs> um, 20 minutes about how he should be representing Australia in uh, the T20 World Cup isn't contracted to a state. So you'd be able to bring some of these guys where, you know, there's this massive youth push through the states, which I don't think is smart for the the longevity of cricket, but they've got to try and give these young kids avenues to go 
because otherwise they'll find different sports. So it's a bit of a catch-22. You, you want them playing against the best veterans, like just the best 11. If you need to, if you make your state side, you should be thinking, well, I am one of the 11 best available cricketers for my state, not, oh, there's three blokes that are 35 that would be in this side, but they're 35, so what's the point of them being here? So now me yeah. and my mate and that guy get a go at 22. It's a bit like New South Wales. They've got about four teams. Mm-hmm. Because half of them get picked for Australia and then the other ones come in and they'll get picked for somebody else and then, and so forth and so on. So by having a franchise-based system, you get to bring those players back into the fold, add some depth, and then there's less financial strain on the, on the states. And then you can then play. And then obviously by doing that, it sort of ties in with the Big Bash a little bit. I'm assuming the plan would be then to market it a hell of a lot and get it out into the public eye. I mean, there's and, no and, point in re-badging and, 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 it and refranchising it if you're just going to leave it And on. play it when? Well, that's the big thing. I don't know when you'd play it. You'd have to fit it in the calendar. But I think it's a very exciting proposal on the face of it. I I I think so too. But I don't I don't I I don't know. I I'm I'm a New South Wales cricket fan. I have been all my life. Um, saw Steve Waugh play at oh, North Sydney Oval. I think it was. Yeah, and um, ever since then I've been hooked. But. I don't know if I'd ever want to... Well, well, think about this. We've got six states. How many players to a cricket team? 12, 15. So let, let's just so let's just say there's 11 active players that are going to be there. Yep. You've got 66 one-day domestic spots. It's not many. If you're, especially, let's say you're a young Victorian, you're a pretty talented athlete, you've got potentially... 66, you've potentially got 20 spots that you could go for, or you've got every AFL franchise coming knocking, and you've got, you know, what a 20 man squad there, and there's however many teams, or there's 16. Was it Tim Payne was drafted for the AFL as well? I think it was Tim Payne. I'm not sure, but there'd be quite a few that would be, and I think if you expand your, um, if you expand your base, while in the short term, potentially, um, you water down your competition, in the long term, you actually make it more viable for young people to go, well, if there's, you know, I've got a one in 500 chance of going pro in cricket or I've got a one in 200 chance of going pro yeah. for league or AFL or soccer. Yeah. Um, if you've got similar passions for that game, it's it's much more economically viable to to be a footballer in yeah, Australia suppose, than to be a cricketer. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, far more chance of you making money if you're a talented footballer than if you're a talented cricketer. Yeah. Um, there's more opportunities. So by create more opportunities, you then can feed more young people through the system knowing that there is actually a likelihood that they're going to go somewhere. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a really, like, I think it's a really big thing. Um, a friend of mine's going through the, um, the junior system for New South Wales cricket, um, trying to get to that level, playing for under or whatever his age group is for New South Wales. And his father's, Basically said that you know, you know, in Chinese whispers and all that, that his New South, his coaches for New South Wales said if he played for, you know, Victoria, WA, Queensland, yeah. he'd already be in the squad, but because there's so many young cricketers in New South Wales and there's only eleven spots they can fill. Yeah, I suppose. Um, so. And that's the thing. So by opening up your doors to be able to play, have more cricketers play, you then get those ones that are like, well. You get to that fork in the road. Do I pursue AFL? Or do I pursue cricket? Or do I pursue league? Or you go well. If there's more realistic chances of young people actually having a viable yeah. representative cricket career, um, it's it's. A, I suppose it'd be a bit like um, that. Peter what what's his name? glue or whatever it was. Old mate Pete from um, from the Renegades. Renegades. He was picked out of third grade cricket and went and played the Big Bash. If you've got another franchise running underneath that, you've got what instead of what eleven players to pick from, well, you've got twenty-two and mm. so forth and so on. I suppose. I think that is the big risk, and especially in a country of only twenty million people with so many competing sports, there is a big risk that if the, the more you expand your your teams, the less competition there is for spots, the weaker the competition. But I don't yeah. think that's necessarily going to be a massive problem. But we're not we're not going from twenty teams to forty. We're going from six to potentially eight. Um, so 
I think that's not a, an outright, especially when you consider the population density of the, you know if we're going to stick to uh, mirroring the um the fr- the the Big Bash franchises, you'll have two Victorian sides and two New South Wales sides, yeah. and and I think that's a, a pretty good balance considering the the population density of those states. Yeah, well, we did we used to have an, uh, a Canberra side as well, the Comets. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened to those. They ran out of money, I think, and run out of, they run out of players, I believe. There's only what fifty five people living in Canberra, isn't there? Like, <laughs> yeah, they're all politicians. <laughs> Uh, I think on the face of it, the, it's a really great move. I, oh, it's not maybe it. It's a move that has lots of potential. I'm potentially very excited about where they could go with this. Obviously, the things that you're running into. Where do you, where do you host it? I mean, Australia used to be, have, used to be the best one day international team in the world. They also, at the very same time, used to be the second and probably the fourth best one day international side in the world. Well, we had many Tri Nations games, and we'd end up in the. Australia A and I Australia... Think at, at the peak of our powers, I think that Australia and Australia A were one and two, and then Australia B would probably be just behind whichever the best one-day international side didn't of they, the did, era was. Didn't they pick... Um, who did they pick? They took... Someone took all the, whole heap of wickets against the other Australia, two. Australia picked um, Rifle as Paul, 12th Paul man Rifle, for the so, one-day finals. So Australia, Australia A, A couldn't, couldn't have play, him. Yeah. <laughs> My, my dad's never forgiven Australia for that. That's and dastardly. And that's why in just about every series that isn't India or England, he goes for the other side. <laughs> I'm like, how can you go against Australia, Dad? And he tells me that story all the time. I'm like, Dad, you've got to let some things go. Yeah, but uh, the Australia A side was, oh, jeez, it was brutal. Oh, you, you see it all the time on, you know, pops up on Facebook and memories like that. It's just like the scorecard of the Australia A game. And it's got, you know, Hayden, Elliot, Ponting, Martin... McGrath, yeah. like all these guys, rifle that guys are going to have massive careers for Australia and they're in the Australian A side playing against Australia. So, um, yeah, like we know that we've had heaps of one-day depth before and really you, I think you can't, you'd probably say comfortably that India and England are better sides than Australia. Saying that though, like we, we, we had the Australia and Australia A and at that point in time, I used to, I remember I used to be able to watch um, uh, the Mercantile Mutual Cup, I think it was. Um, yep. It was on TV all well, the time. I've spoken about this before. I don't and understand. That's why. That's why we knew who all these players were. I don't understand why sports think that it's good for their long-term health of the game for them to paint themselves into a TV rights deal, which means that parts of your audience can't access it. Oh, it, 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 it pains it me no end. It never works. Like, when do Australians care about rugby? Uh, there are a few, Aaron. With majority of, on like, walking down the street, into a pub, Who like, how many people, really Australians, when do they care about rugby? When we win? When the Wallabies play. And you know why they care about rugby when the Wallabies play? Because it's on free-to-air TV. Oh, it is too. Other than that, I don't know, I don't watch it. no one cares. <laughs> when do we care about soccer in Australia? When the World Cup's when on. When the World Cup's on. And, and I'll sit it. up till 3 o'clock in the morning watching this play it. Germany. It's, it just, it just, it's so dumb. It is so dumb. Well, well saying that, the soccer and well, soccer's really well populated in the, in the, in the youth. Like the, 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 there are so many soccer players in Australia. Yeah, but in terms of media coverage of the yeah, game, yeah. when's the last time that you were scrolling through Facebook and some new big news story from the A-League popped up? Yeah, I don't care. Like, Latrell Mitchell from Rugby League will go and get a f- full-page write-up in the um, Fox Sports website, which will have three different broadcast like articles come up off it. If he goes and buys the wrong flavour of milk at the server... I was going to say that, actually. <laughs> Yeah, you're and right. And because you're that's right. the sport that everyone can watch. The cricketers, you know, well, we've, the cricketers go and have an indignant look as they walk off the field and there's four days' worth of sports content for, yeah. for cricket because it's yeah. we don't hear anything about soccer, we don't hear anything about rugby, and they're sports that are only accessible, really, yeah. on Foxtel. Yeah. And so the public at large couldn't care less. Yeah. So I don't understand why cricket is slowly but surely taking less of its, more of its product and making it behind a paywall. Because yeah, it, wor- it never works. It never works for a sport long-term in terms of its its 
public station, and if your sport doesn't have a public station, if kids aren't watching cricket, then they're going to watch something else, and then they'll go and play that sport. Yeah. That's how but it They want to mimic their heroes. Um, so and I think the, anything that involves rejigging this ODI format, it needs to be accessible visually for people to watch. So anything anything they do to to it to have it put it it needs to be on TV. I'm not saying everything needs to be on free to wear, but they should really be pushing to get maybe the match of the round on free to wear. Yeah. Um and but every game should be televised on KO or Fox or whatever. Like I don't know what's the ABC doing? ABC's got like four channels that they can pick from. Go and get them to go and it's all, show all, it's all full of bananas and pajamas, I think. But um, I, I, I'm a really big fan of it. I think there's some growing pains that need to work. So obviously, where is it going to be played in terms of what part of the year? Because you'll have things like, for example, Josh Philippi is a really great example. He is a Western Australian. His contract is to the Sydney Sixers. So if he's going to be part of the Sixers one-day setup, you can't really have Philippi jumping from Western Australia. Whatever the uh. game, you know, there's... You know, do you play some games at the same time? Because I know they've been doing that at the moment. They were playing you know, one-day cricket at the same time that Shield's on and yeah. just having games not line up. But if Philippi's in the middle of a game for Western Australia, he can't really go then represent the Sixers. So you've sort of just got to find some balance about where in the year it's going to be or if you're going to even allow that sort of level of... Yeah. Um, I don't but know. So we've, al- we've also got to consider too that where where they play it. Like the times of the... the, the the football seasons in Melbourne, especially, and in in New South New South Wales, not so much. Um, they don't play cricket football. There's, there's still, especially in coastal cities, there's not yeah. a heap of weather. I reckon you could probably run a tournament during, you know, autumn, late, like late winter, getting towards spring, sort yeah. of thing. Like you could probably run it the whole year. To be honest, you might have a few games that washed out, but have reserve days. What else are the cricketers going to be doing? Nothing. So, <laughs> like, um, so I would be open to the idea, just so it's on, have it during the winter time. And yeah, and then it can compete with football, and and you can. You know. Well, it's a one day, so it'll be on during the day. So you yeah, have it. Yeah. It'd be an all day thing. So you know, have it through the week, even like and yeah. But if you, if you if you had it on free to air TV, and 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 the, that day the football was on Foxtel, for instance. You'd probably lose out, but you know. Well, it depends on, if it's on TV. Not everyone has Foxtel. Mm. Everyone's if if a game of cricket's on, or you've got to pay, you know, eighty bucks a month to watch a game of football. I'd probably watch the cricket. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I'm at this point in the dialogue. I'm optimistic. I'd love to see how these conversations progress and how it plays out. But I think that. Um, could be really good, especially because it frees up the burden on the states to have these, you know, having to pay players to be in their white ball side and their red ball side, even though they're like Nathan Coulton, I probably would never play one uh, shield cricket again for, for Western Australia. Yeah. But to have him on retainer to play white ball cricket was too expensive, so they just dropped him all together, even though he's a like he played in the 2019 World Cup. So. Yeah. Four months before he was dropped, he was representing Australia, and you can't tell me that he fell off the wagon that much that he was no, no longer no. good enough to play for WA. He works at Woolies now. So these guys, well, they, he, he's going to get earned basically a million bucks to go and play cricket over in India. So these guys get back into the fold, um, and then WA can then take the money that it saved on paying their white ball cricketers, like Ashton Turner's another yeah. one. He's probably not going to play a lot of red ball cricket. No, yeah. And they can turn that into developing their first-class system more, which hopefully then will yield better first-class players. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of room for exponential growth. And I think anything that involves us playing more 50-over cricket is fantastic because at the moment we sort of play tests, we play T20s. Well, in a four-day cricket, we play T20s. There's sort of the 50-over games, a bit of an afterthought, and it's showing on the world stage that really Australia is. isn't the even remotely close to the... Not only has the gap closed, we've now been overtaken. And, oh, easily. And we don't like that as Australians. No. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where that line of thinking goes. And I, I'm, I'm, for one, cautiously optimistic, depending, obviously, on the logistics of staging the tournament, where it's going to end up. And I think it's got to be, you've got to at least play 
a home and away series. Well, mate, maybe they need to shorten the Big Bash series. I think they need to shorten the Big Bash series. Why about a well. month? <laughs> um, no, maybe maybe by about three rounds. I reckon. I also wouldn't mind, to be honest, if they could figure out a way to have it exclusively on Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays, and just run it on weekends. Yeah, and just sort of how because how much Big Bash fatigue did you get by the end of it? Especially when you had those double headers when you were up until one in the morning watching it. You're like, you watch it because you really like cricket, but you're like, it's like the football. You know, you've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you go Monday, oh, cool, Tuesday, yeah, Wednesday, you're like, I just want the football back. Yeah, it, it, it is a bit like that. And then it rolls around, and you're like, yes, the footy's back on, excellent. Whereas cricket, you're like, yes, Big Bash, it's on every night, it's awesome. Oh, there's a game, there's a game, there's a game, there's two games, there's a game, there's a game, there's a game. It's three and you're games. Like, What's on? Oh, man, this You sound like my wife. The Scorchers are playing the Stars again. Didn't they do that two days ago? <laughs> oh, the Renegades, and we'll see these guys get bloody murdered by the heat tonight. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, yeah, I, I, think I there's know a, what you mean. There's a bit of franchise, and I think the players feel it too. That they're talk, like, you don't really hear too many people coming out going, oh, the Big Bash is awesome. I love everything about it. But there just seems to be this smattering of people going, yeah, I think the tournament's too long, or, I, you know, yeah. there's not so many, like, there's lots of people that say nothing, and there's a few people that have criticisms of it, but there's no one that really jumps out and goes, it's a fantastic tournament, they should leave it. We should have more Big Bash. No one's screaming for more Big Bash. Oh, the guy collecting all the money probably is the only one doing that. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Um, so, yes, that's my, there's, those are my thoughts on that. So, uh, you, are you, you, were, you weren't happy with it at the moment, but after hearing a bit more about uh, it, are you still on the fence? Are you still I, actually on that side of the fence? Or no, I'm, I, I'm probably still on that side of the fence. I'd, I'd, I'd like... I'd like to know more. That's what, and, and then I'll decide then. But I, I do see a, a positive way out of it. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Like everything, it's it's got to be how it's uh, how it's managed. If it's yeah. not managed well, then it's going to fall on its face and be a complete waste of time. But I think it's, I think it opens the door for some exciting opportunities um, to rejuvenate a, a really maligned format in Australia. Oh, and you you think all these people that um, that watch cricket or love cricket, and which is probably why you're listening to this, how many how many of those people are diehard supporters in what six months, three months when when we have play cricket in Australia, and then all of a sudden they drop off the map and they'll go and do something else and then come back and well well for a long time as a child that was me I would watch cricket religiously through the summertime because it was on yep. And then wouldn't watch it through winter because it wasn't. But if cricket was on during winter, I would watch it. Since I've become a grown up and can pay for my own Foxtel, <laughs> yeah. I've um, I <laughs> ask my ask my partner. I've been having uh, England v West Indies, England v Pakistan, <laughs> and now I've had. Um, uh, she came in the other day, and I was watching Pakistan versus South Africa on on YouTube. Like if it's yeah. on. I I'll will watch, watch it. it. Yeah. Um, I still remember sitting up in the middle of the night watching, I believe it was an Ashes Test match. Um, it was an Ashes Test match. And I, oh, I was always so excited. And nobody else in my family gave two hoots about cricket except me until my brother sort of got a little bit older. And I'm sitting at, in front of the TV at three in the morning watching Glenn Grant take what, eight for... 38 or some some ridiculous thing and I was so excited and it's just crickets man yeah crickets there's um there's a market share for cricket if they can find a way for it to be viable during the winter months doesn't yeah. it doesn't need to be much if as long as it's you get it on and if it's on cricket fans will watch it oh yeah and, and anything is better than nothing definitely so there's there's more months in the year, so if you can, and they can't. Every suburban ground can't possibly turn into a AFL ground through winter. There's surely got to be somewhere that is of respectable cricketing quality that they can. And if there's not, they can play a one, one day game. Make one. Yeah, make one. Why? Well, that's not that hard. Just kick the AFL. Like, all they need is four sticks. <laughs> six. <laughs> they need eight, eight sticks, eight six. Aaron. <laughs> League, the life follow league too much. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so just send the AFL players somewhere else. Set up, you know, 
Yeah, that'd work here. Just where some we flags are. in the ground. Yeah, just a guy running around with a flag and a whistle to just throw. Oh, don't even bother. Just give him cricket bats. You're playing <laughs> the wrong sport. <laughs> and that brings our uh, 65th episode to a close. 65. Uh, 65? Mm. Mm, 65th. I wouldn't mind if that many runs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've scored that many runs all year. No, I haven't. Oh, it's been awful. Uh, next week, we hope to have all hands on deck. We'll uh, have plenty of cricket to talk about. We're actually heading home to watch the India-England test match. So, day one of the test. So, we'll get into that. So, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that next week. I'm sure we'll have more T20 cricket to have a chat about. And, uh, no, we've still got one more week of our own cricket, don't we? Well, some of us do. Some of us do. Well, yeah. Some of us have got a little bit longer. You've got a little longer than we do. Um, so, yeah, we'll be all hands back on deck next week with plenty of cricket goodies to talk about. Uh, until then, uh, enjoy the podcast. Don't forget to have a look at our YouTube channel. We're posting up uh, bits and pieces on our YouTube channel. It's not the whole episode, so you don't have to listen to the whole thing again. It's just, just snippets. But if you want to see us doing our stuff in the flesh, make sure you have a look, have a like and subscribe. You know, share us around, share the love. We want to reach everyone we can with our Two Slips and a Gully podcast here because we know that we're, you know, we're at least worth listening to most of the time. Well, if, if we can get, say, five likes on our YouTube page, I'll make Aaron take his shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to agree to that promise. Oh, you don't have I, to I don't agree. know if you guys want me to agree to that promise. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that'll do us for this week. Um, enjoy your week. Enjoy all the cricket that's going on. And uh, bye for now. There, guys. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.